this is Michael Fanning, and I'm the host of the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our quick form podcast where we'll talk to Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. In each episode, we'll talk to real estate professionals to learn what they have done that have allowed them to be better than they were yesterday. Please enjoy our podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Galindo, and welcome to the Winniver Coaching Minute podcast. I'll be your host for today's call. I'm excited to have Heather Dolan with us as our guest today. Heather, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Great. So I just wanted to, uh, to have you on the podcast today just to find out some of the things that you do, Heather, to help drive your business. Um, it was a pleasure to talk with you a week or so ago and have you share some of your story with me. So we want to have you share some of those stories today, how you drive your business, some of maybe the tools that you use um, in your business to, to create the, the transaction count and the revenue that you do. Um, but just before we get started, I'm going to let everybody know that Heather is a broker with the Windermere Capitol Hill office. Her career started in January of 2006, so about 18 months before the Great Recession hit. Congratulations on that. Perfect timing. Um, I'd like to maybe start with that. Let's just tell us you know, what you uh, maybe learned from that experience or how that uh, experience in the market shift so early in, in your career maybe affected you. Yeah, so um, to be honest, it, it was not easy. It was a pretty stressful time. Um, but it did give me the opportunity to create a foundation for my business, which included, I um, attended Ninja down in Colorado. I, I think Windermere may not have even adopted it at that point. Um, so I started the Ford system way back then and, um, you know, got all of my, all of my systems going and most of the systems I still use today. Um, explain to our audience, like, uh, who may not know the Ford system, what is uh, Ford? It's an acronym. Uh, what does it stand for? That's a great question, Joe, but <laughs> uh, I, can share, I can answer that. It's okay. family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. And essentially, um, it's uh, designed around the concept of when we engage people, Rather than really engage them about real estate business necessarily, we engage them uh, with questions about their family, maybe what they do for a living, uh, what they do for fun, recreation, uh, dreams. If they wanted to drive a particular car or live in a particular part of the country, you know, where would that be? If you could dream, what would that look like? So family, occupation, recreation, and dreams, and, and establishing questions when you're meeting people uh, and asking them questions just to get to know them a little better. So, um, so the follow-up question to that is, uh, I, I know you've got a background in finance, so what drew you to a career in real estate, and maybe what gets you excited about helping buyers and sellers? Sure. So initially, I um, worked with Mark Kansas, who I now am partnering with, um, to buy a house back in 2002 when I was in finance, and he was just such the opposite of what I thought a real estate salesperson was. He was just honest and he was really looking out for our best interests and he had had like a regular w-2 career before he started real estate so he really inspired me to do what he had been doing and you know just looking out for my clients interests as number one um and i've always loved houses i think most people have but 
another thing that drew me to the business is that as a woman, it was really tough to um, be in the finance world. And in real estate, the playing field is fairly level and it is incredible to be my authentic self and to get paid for the work I do the same way that, you know, everybody else does, especially the other gender. Um, I'd say as far as what gets me most excited about buyers and sellers is meeting them and hearing their story and getting in, you know, what their perspective is and what they really need. And then the moment that a buyer finds the house and maybe wins the multiple offer is just like the biggest high you could ever have. Um, or when you transform a seller's home into a very marketable property and they are thrilled with the outcome, it's, it's something that really gives me motivation to be excited about my job every day. I love it. So the gratification of maybe helping somebody uh, you know, realize the American dream of home ownership. That's, I love that part of it. You know, you mentioned, um, you know, one of the reasons is uh, level playing field. And I often say this, you know, listen, in your real estate career, uh, if you do it right, there's no limit to how much money you can make if you do it right. Um, you you can afford yourself the, uh, the standard of living that you like if you choose to, and you create a good plan and you're consistent, but you can also create some balance in your life where you don't feel like you have to be 24 seven slave to the phone or to email or to your clients. You can have some balance in your life if you choose to structure it that way, but there's no, there's no ceiling. There's no limit on how much money you can make if you, if, if you choose to. It's, it's one of the um, few careers that you can have where it's really, as you said, a, a level playing field. Yep. It's incredible. You get paid for the work that you do, regardless of who you are. Love it. You know, the, the first question really that I have that I wrote down uh, is you mentioned that you do about 40 transactions, give or take, uh, per year. And what I know from experience is in order to work at that level, you have to have a fair amount of structure and organization. You've got to, you know, have a have a plan and and uh, and have some structure to what your day looks like. Um, so the, the first question is, you know, do you have like a workable database? And when I say the database, the people in the audience, my, my definition of a database is a list of relationships, not necessarily a list of people that I met along life's journey, although they can be part of that. But uh, do you have a database and, and who are those people to you? Yeah, I do. And over the years, I've tried all kinds of systems and I, I've just come back from good old in Excel spreadsheet. Um, but my database include family and friends. And I say just family and friends because my past clients, I consider friends as well. Um, and if they're not friends, the few that aren't friends, they're not on my list. Um, but when I originally started, I included everybody that I had worked with at my former job. And I think that's really important for new agents is at first, um, family and friends are kind of watching to see how you do at the career. They know that you're new, but it was my previous coworkers who knew what kind of work I did, who were the ones to be there for me first, to be my biggest supporters and clients. That is a great point. Former colleagues uh, that know your work ethic and, and know you, um, uh, you know, personally, I think that's terrific. Do you, so um, I know a lot of my coaching clients, I, I have them sort their database into like A clients, B clients, and C clients, really based on two things, how well they know each other and how often they're naturally in communication with them. And then based on that, uh, we'll determine, you know, kind of how often I'm in touch with them, what kind of gifts they receive and that sort of thing. And it has nothing to do with 
you know, whether or not they're buying or selling real estate. Uh, but again, the level of relationship, do you sort your database that way? I mean, how do you, you know, like you have like really good clients or longtime people that refer you, uh, do you categorize them in any, any way? I do. And I like that you brought up, they're not necessarily even clients. I, I have a top 25 list of my biggest cheerleaders, my big, the people who refer me the most business. And a couple of those people have never even been my clients. Like they haven't moved mm -hmm. in all these years, but they just refer me, you know, a ton of people who are wonderful people. Um, so I have this list of 25 and, um, every quarter I send some sort of small gift. Uh, and it's nothing, you know, crazy expensive. It's usually chocolate, Fran's chocolates um, for Valentine's Day and a Molly Moon's ice cream gift certificate in the summer. Um, and I keep this list of 25 updated as far as who has referred me the most clients, you know, in recent history. Mm -hmm. And I work really hard to keep it at just 25 so that it feels like it's very manageable to focus on that group of 25, because when you get busy, it's hard to list at, look at a list of a hundred and, you know, hundreds of people and how am I going to manage staying in touch with everybody? So it's nice to have kind of a focus and then to go from there. I love it. You know, it's funny, uh, you mentioned 25. I, um, I had about 250 people in my database. And I think you mentioned it a few minutes ago that, you know, not, not everybody uh, that I work with, uh, kind of to your earlier point, uh, went on the database. So a lot of people I did transactions with that, frankly, it would, they were just a pain and I didn't want to have to, to work with them again. So I knew that if I did a good job with the 250 in the database, and it fluctuates, it goes up and down based on, you know, people moving out of the area, maybe their mother gets a real estate license and they hop off the list. But um, but I sort of them into A's, B's, and C's, and I had about 25 A clients. And um, you one couple in particular, kind of to your point there, you have people that uh, that never bought and sold but refer you to lots of folks. You know, there's one couple that I'm thinking of right now that I sold a property to about 30 years ago. Uh, I think when they when they finally pass away, we're probably just going to bury them in the backyard, meaning I don't think they're ever going to move, Heather. Um, but, they, but they referred me to their friends and their family members and their kids and their neighbors, yep. you know, so they've been a great referral source. Yep. Yeah, um, another question. So what kind of, because I think you mentioned um, a spreadsheet, Outlook spreadsheet, what kind of um, systems or tools do you, do you use Moxie works? And I mean, how do you, how do you stay in touch with those folks on a consistent basis? What, what reminds you of who to call and when to send a gift and that sort of thing? What system do you typically use? Yeah, so I, I do use Moxie Works, and I love that because I don't do anything with it. Um, as soon as I have a client purchase a house, I ask my office to add them to my Moxie Work um, monthly newsletter. I forget what it's called exactly. You probably know it's that neighborhood update. Mm -hmm. um, so my clients are getting that email from me once a month just to keep me top of mind, and I don't have to do a thing, which is great. Um, and then at the beginning of the year, or actually at the end of the year for the next year, I um, have a marketing plan that I come up with as far as a monthly plan. So once a quarter, I send a newsletter, once a quarter, I send a postcard, and once a quarter, I send an item of value. Um, and I just really stick to that all year. So I'm not rethinking and reinventing. I can just like, you know, get it done. Um, make sure it gets out the door. And then throughout the year, I write down ideas for what I may want to do next year. And then I tweak it for the following year. But I've, I've noticed that a lot of agents, 
get sidetracked. Like they're like, oh, that's a good idea. And they just like stray from their plan and they're off into some other, you know, direction. And I just feel like that takes a lot of energy and time and it's, and just being consistent with what you're doing and then kind of tweaking things every year is what's worked really well for me. Good. Uh, so did uh, so did I um, hear you say that you're using the Windermere newsletter or do you create your own content? What does that look like? Yeah, you? so there's the Moxie works that goes out on email every month, but I also do I write my own newsletter and I know I could outsource it, but I really enjoy it. Um, and I'm just like always thinking about what is the message I want to share with my clients right now? Like my last newsletter was Seattle Times keeps saying prices are down, they're down, they're down, but actually they're up since the beginning of the year. So that was my big focus in my last newsletter. Um, and I generally write it on an airplane when I'm coming home from vacation and just like get it done in that couple of hours. Great use of time. I love that. Well, the, you mentioned postcard. What 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 do you what information do you provide in your postcard? I think you said it went out monthly as well. I'm assuming the same people get the postcard. Correct, they do. And um, it's just kind of a smaller um, version of my newsletter. So there will be some piece of real estate, you know, update or interest or whatever's on my mind that I want to share. And then there will be something like events coming up or, you know, I do like neighborhood night out is coming up, rally your neighborhood, you know, things that I like to do that I want to share with other people. I love it. Um, the the next question, really, you mentioned quarterly gifts, um, and you your twenty five, you know, best clients are are those the only folks that are getting the gifts? Uh, and if not, who who else gets them? And if so, can you give us an example of maybe some of the gifts you've given over the years to give folks an idea of kind of you know what works really well? Yeah. So, are you talking about like closing gifts or my sister? Like the quarterly, the quarterly gifts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like I mentioned, Franz chocolates, mm -hmm. um, Molly Moon's gift certificates. I've done. I guess I do a lot of uh, food. Uh, mm -hmm. Scout cookies to support my neighbors' kids. Um, I've done tape measures with my name on them. I've done playing cards with my logo on them, just because I love to play cards. Um, I tend to just give things that I like. Mm -hmm. Once a quarter. Um, I also do for my entire database, I do a pie giveaway mm -hmm. a year. It's always the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Um, and it's become a tradition, which is great. I feel like consistency is a really great tool and your clients really look forward to it and they remember it all year long. Um, so I, I host it at my house, which is not how I started, but I think clients love to see their real estate agent's house. And, um, and it just feels very personal and nice for me to invite people in my home. And it's become a pretty big party. I started at noon and that starts with some apple cider and some rum if people want and um, cheese and crackers. And then it, at nighttime, it turns into pizza and wine and, and food and fun. And um, it's just, it's so, it feels so good to have all of these clients together who are talking about how great you are. Yes. And it also yeah. validates, you know, them knowing that other clients feel the same way. Um, and things have happened like a couple of years ago, I had submitted an offer that morning for clients for a multiple offer situation and they were first time buyers and they were at my pie giveaway when we found out that they got the house and um I asked if they wanted a glass of champagne and they were like oh my gosh we're you know we're first-time buyers we need a shot and so everybody <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and it was just it was it was just super fun to share that moment and have you know all my greatest supporters there yeah I love that Heather it matters who says it right I mean you can tell people yeah. all day long how wonderful we are and how, how successful we are but when other people are sharing our story and the fact that they love us and did a great job for them it it really, the message really uh, resonates. Um, we uh, about the pop by uh, about the uh, uh, event, the, the pie events. Um, I always call them re reverse pop by events. Uh, part of my career, I delivered pop by gifts four times a year, and I would literally deliver them to their front porch. And as I got more busy and the list grew, because um, about half of my list of 250 got the pop by gifts. The A clients and the B clients that I had a re personal relationship with were were recipients. The C clients, which is represent about half of my uh, list, did not get pop by gifts. Uh, not that they didn't love them, but they got other things from me. But I delivered them quarterly, so four times a year. And as the list grew, I would have to hire people, uh, you know, to to deliver those for me. I never made. I started making appointments uh, when I had like 15 on the list. I'm like, hey, ever love to come by? I got a pie for you. And then when I get up to like 40, 50, I'm like, shoot, that's about a 30 minute conversation times 50. That's going to take, you know, <laughs> it's going to take a month. Exactly. Um, but I love the reverse pop by having people to your home. They get it's very personal, right? They get they're yeah. sharing your story and uh, terrific idea. Um, the next thing that I wrote down here, one of the key components of providing excellent service is is setting realistic and manageable expectations with buyers and sellers. And for me, it always started with, you know, some sort of a buyer guide or seller guide that I would walk them through an initial consultation, explain to them what they get from me. Uh, you know, as the realtor, what they get, hope, hope to get from their real estate experience, um, where I would explain the process of buying a home or the process of selling a home. I know you do that as well. Maybe explain to us kind of uh, really two things, like tell us some of the things that you have in your buyer and seller guide, just like information. And at what point in that working relationship do you share that with them? Like the first time you meet them with them, after you show them a couple of properties, when do you introduce those buyer and seller guides? Sure. I think you mentioned initial consultation, and that's also what I do with both buyers and sellers. And I refuse to start working together until we've done that. Just And the times that I have skipped that initial consultation, it just doesn't go smoothly or as well. Um, so I always do this initial, I'll talk about buyers. We either meet on Zoom or in person, and I let them decide. Uh, and I start out with I have a questionnaire and it all comes from the Ninja program as far as, you know, what questions you want to ask. And I've just tailored it to my style. Um, and so I'm taking notes and listening to them. And, you know, buyers love to talk about what they're looking for. And it just sets a tone and creates some rapport. And then I bring out, um, actually, I first bring out Windermere stats mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, I work in Seattle. So I bring them out for Seattle and that's how I open the conversation as far as setting the stage for the Seattle market. Um, so I show them, you know, inventory is low. It's a seller's market. Um, I show them uh, how many properties received multiple offers in the past month. And we talk about the fact that there are offer review dates set oftentimes just to kind of set the tone. And we, and I also show them how many properties don't close after they've gone pending. And people are super surprised by that. And they're asking me why. And then I get into my buyer's guide, which talks about the components in, of an offer and the contingencies. 
And I just dive right into the fact that in order to be competitive, you oftentimes need to waive your financing and your appraisal. And we talk about ways to do that comfortably um, and how you'll always do an inspection, but it might be before you make an offer or um, the seller may provide it. Um, you know, reviewing the title contingency in advance, reviewing the seller disclosure in advance. And if, you know, if we do our jobs right and we've done all of our homework up front before we make the offer, then they might consider releasing the earnest money to the seller. And that's going to be a big chunk of change. Um, and so I feel like a lot of agents are really scared to bring up these topics, but I see relief in my client's face after we talk through all of this, because they're like, oh, we've heard about the Seattle market and people making 10 offers and whatever. And, you know, I say, no, if you love a house, we're going to go full force ahead and we are going to do it right from the first offer. We're not going to, you know, do that well. My clients needed to learn to figure out to waive their financing. No, we talk about it at that first meeting um, when they're not in the moment and they're not stressed out. Um, and it just sets expectations. And it also um, opens the door to them using a good lender that I can trust. And it opens the door for them to have trust in me and knowing that even though they're waiving their contingencies, it's because we've done all of our homework first. Mm. You mentioned the word trust, Heather. I um, I believe that trust is the number one reason why people will hire us to represent them. And I don't think it's just trust that, um, you know, this person's, my, my agent is a trustworthy, honest, ethical person. I think that's part of it. But mm -hmm. uh, to, to your point about the stats, um, do I trust this person to be the best person to represent me in my purchase or my sale? Are they knowledgeable? Are they a skilled negotiator? How well do they know the market? And, you know, when we can show that to people, and I think the use of stats is brilliant. Uh, the MLS produces that information every week. I know in my office, in the Bellevue office, um, our, our office staff send those stats out to us once a month. You know, they give us a recap on what's happening in the real estate market. And I think probably most offices do, but paying attention to that um, and being able to share that information with the public so that there aren't any, um, uh, there aren't any surprises. They understand that you know the markets. Um, uh, setting the expectation and part of sharing those numbers is setting the expectation. Listen, yeah. I think to, to, to some degree, we still have to be um, the conduit of information to the general public. Obviously, they read things online or they watch the news, but you know we're the ones in the trenches, I like to say. And so uh, no better uh, person to listen to than your friendly realtor who's really got those numbers at their fingertips. I love the use of stats, so good for you. Now, um, the first follow-up question, kind of, I know you're using the buyer and seller guide, and maybe uh, um, this question applies to you that maybe doesn't, but for our listeners, do you have any sort of a, like a pre-listing questionnaire that you use or qualifying questions that you use. So if I called you up on the phone, let's say, and said, hi, Heather, uh, Bill and Sue Smith said that you helped them sell their home. I'm thinking of selling my home. I'd love to talk to you about that. Do you have a process or uh, maybe a series of questions that you ask to find out more information about their home, something about them, maybe their motivation, anything like that with buyers or sellers? Sure. I, um, for sellers, I actually have an online questionnaire that I send over. I made in jot form that I have them fill out um, so that we know what we're walking into. We know, you know, what they're expecting to get for their house. Um, we know if they think they're going to vacate and stage or not, if they have a budget to get it ready. 
Um, so it really prepares me to have a great meeting with them and to keep it a little shorter as well. Um, with buyers, I, I tried that out and it just felt like, then they're like, well, why do we need to meet? Cause I've already told you what I want. So I do have a standard template email that I send to buyers for, you know, about the initial consultation. And I do ask them, what is the, what are the general areas you're looking in and, and your budget, just so I know if they're looking in my area or if I should refer it. And also just to get an idea where they're, I work with all price points, but just to get an idea of um, if they're realistic or not for where they're looking and what their price points are. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, I love working with all price points. I mean, it's okay if you want to specialize, you know, waterfront or vacation properties, that sort of thing. But I always look at my career as, you know, I'm in the relationship business and I've yeah. got some folks that live in $400,000 homes and some uh, people that I know that live in $4 million homes. And so yeah, I don't get to choose where they live, but I, I do get to choose whether I help them buy or sell or not. I love that. Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. I, my, my rule of thumb is if, they trust me and I enjoy them, then I want them as my clients. And looking back on my career, there have been clients that I helped buy the $250,000 condo. And now I'm helping them buy that $2 million house. And they've referred me, you know, clients in the millions as well. And so I think, I think just being your authentic self and helping people that you like and enjoy, and they trust you really the dollars will come. Yeah, I love that. I, I remember uh, uh, I, I sold a property in uh, Houghton in Kirkland. It was a condominium in Kirkland in the Houghton area. Mm -hmm. uh, this was good grief. I'm probably 27 or eight years ago, a long time, early in my career, about four or five years into my career. And um, this was a, a little old lady who went to my church and uh, she was kind of the sur surrogate grandmother for a bunch of, of, of families, a bunch of young couples with you know young families. And, um, and so uh, uh, Grandma Rosa, as we called her, Grandma Rosa needed help selling her little condo. She was moving into assisted living. She didn't have any uh, close family, you know, husband passed away, kids were long gone. And, and so um, I helped her sell her 80,000, at the time, $80,000 condominium in Houghton in Kirkland. Today, it's probably worth, you know, 800, but throw $80,000 back then. Mm -hmm. I probably lost money on that deal, driving her around town, going to the grocery store with her, taking her to the closing. But I helped this, this dear little old lady sell her, her condominium to move her into her assisted living. And as a result, over the coming weeks, uh, after the Sunday sermon, people would approach me in the lobby like, hey, aren't you in real? Aren't you the guy that helped Grandma Rosa sell her condo? Mm -hmm. True story, Heather, I closed four transactions with four families that said, we need help buying or selling real estate. You help Grandma Rosa. Can you please help us? I love uh, that. Yeah. So it doesn't, you know, I never looked at what I was going to make on that uh, in terms of commissions. I always looked at, okay, can I help this person? And if so, I know there's going to be good things that will come down the road. So yeah. I love that. Thank, thank you for, for sharing your story. Final question, really. Um, and I'll just say that, you know, uh, do 40 transactions a year for most people, unless they're managing a large team, that's a lot. And I, I close between 40 and 50 myself, no team, no assistant, just a really good plan, much like you. But if you, for the those folks that are, are listening, if they, if they're, if you're selling 30, 40 homes a year, uh, kind of by yourself and you hope to maybe go from, uh, 40 to 60. Um, is there anything that maybe you would change in your business model or things you might add like an assistant or transaction quarter or something, transaction coordinator? Is there anything that you might do to 
make that 60 transactions a bit more scalable? Yeah, so actually I do have two business partners. Um, one of them helps me with buyers and that's mostly all of my buyers. Um, and she does everything that requires getting in the car, um, except for I do the first tour with buyers. I call it my home research day with them. Um, and then I do have a business partner for listings as well. And we share those and we divide that up um, according to what we enjoy doing. But I recently did, I've had transaction coordinators over the years, and but I recently found one that's just phenomenal. And um, I am visualizing her taking on some more of my marketing and, you know, any work that doesn't involve direct contact with my clients to grow it more. Great. I love it. Um, the, uh, the, you mentioned Mark, I'm assuming that's, is that who you partner with on your, on your listing business? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and you don't have to share the percentage or the numbers, but if you share brokerage fees or commissions, I have to call them brokerage fees. Uh, to me, commission is, uh, what, what people make when they sell cars or furniture, uh, brokerage fee is what we get paid as licensees of, of the state of Washington. Um, anyway, it's kind of a pet peeve, but um, do you, do you also share expenses then? So you do, you know, like at the end of the month, you tally up, okay, we spent X, Y, and Z for staging or whatever. Do you split those expenses also? We do split those expenses, um, but we don't split any marketing expenses and, um, whoever brings in the client gets 60% of the compensation, I'll say. I love it. Heather, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the call today. Thank you for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. So qu final question then, if people have questions about anything you talked about today, anything we shared today, what's the best way to reach you? My email address would be great. I'm pretty on top of email. So feel free that to is? yeah, and I did want to just plug um, windermerestats.com if people don't know about it. Those are the stats that I use and they're amazing. Awesome. Uh, give everybody your email address if you would. It's H as in Heather and my last name Dolan, D as in David, O-L-I-N at windermere.com. Wonderful. Heather, thanks again for doing this. I, I took a bunch of notes. So I, I, uh, I, I, I took a few things down that I'll be sharing with some of the coaching clients. So it was very advantageous for me as well. Hopefully the folks that are listening also, thanks for being on today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I so appreciate being. So if you would like information guys about what you heard today, um, or you want to share this with somebody, please do. If you have any ideas or topics that you'd like to hear in the future, uh, or if you've got good content you'd like to share on this podcast, you can reach me at joe at joegalendocoaching.com. That's joe, J-O-E, at J-O-E-G-A-L-I-N-D-O, coaching.com. As we like to say at Windermere Coaching, be awesome and help someone. Have a great day. thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you found this content interesting, please feel free to share it and give us a rating. Also, if you're a real estate agent with an epic idea and you're doing something great to create great client service or work-life balance, or maybe both, please reach out to us at fanning at windermere.com. And we always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.